This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. We're back uh, with Colossians as we enter, I think, into our fourth week now in the little New Testament letter, Colossians. And uh, I do these teachings because, well, I like to teach the Bible, and I really am concerned that believers just need to know their Bible um, because this is where we fall prey to the enemy and his lies because the Bible is the truth, but there's so many lies, untruths being spoken in this world about what is right and what is wrong. This gives us clarity. And so my heart is that you would embrace these things and walk in the truth. Now, you're going to meet opposition probably as you walk in these truth because the enemy doesn't like that. But still, the truth is the truth. We left off with Paul making the big claim that Jesus is the creator. Boy, he made a big claim. Now, I'm going to go down the road a bit of something that I shared in that Easter anthology series, uh, just really briefly. Jesus is the creator. Just for the sake of anybody watching this, this is what... This is what scientists have discovered. Not Christians, but just scientists. They have found that the universe now had a starting point. Big Bang, whatever you want to call it. They have found that the usable energy universe is winding down. In other words, something's kickstarted this, started it up, and it's winding down like a clock. Our, our universe. Our universe consists of space, time, and matter. <clears throat> and if you could get a videotape or whatever kind of tape and play it backwards to the moment the universe began, everything would shrink down, not to the size of a basketball or a bowling ball or a ping pong ball or the head of a pin. It would all go back down to nothing. Nothing. You can't get something from nothing, right? That's a problem for an atheist skeptic. How do you get something from nothing? Because they're going to say that all this whole universe began from nothing. Well, I'll get to that in a second. But since it came back to nothing and something kickstarted this thing, therefore, since it's space, time, and matter, an immaterial, timeless, spaceless being of supernatural power kickstarted this thing, and that spaceless, timeless, immaterial, super powerful being is what we Christians know as God. Now, you may not agree with that statement, but I think it carries a lot of validity when you really look at it scientifically. Now, let me add, be wise, because when you hear uh, a physicist say the universe can and was created from nothing, when you hear them say that, they don't mean nothing as in the absence of anything. They don't mean that. No, what they're telling you, and they won't tell you this, is that there still was something out there. There were still things working, and from these things that were there, that this is how everything got kick-started in the Big Bang and everything happened. Okay, but my question is this. That stuff that was, you say, is nothing, but there's still something there. Who created that? There's still something there then. You say that, so therefore who created that? You can't get something from nothing. Everyone knows this. So why don't they just admit it? That an immaterial, timeless, spaceless, super powerful being we call, we know as God created this thing. Created this thing. Well, Let's pick it up. Here we go. First thing I want to tell you today as we pick up in Colossians is Jesus holds all things together. Look at this verse 17 of Colossians. It says this. 
He is before all things. Jesus is before all things. It's already talked about He's the Creator. Now, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now, <clears throat> to hold together means to stand together, to cohere, to be compacted together. I'm not a scientist. I only read what scientists say. But here's what they know. That every atom in the whole universe, your body, everything's made up of atoms, that these particles in there, neutral, positively charged particles, they really shouldn't adhere together. They should be driven apart. That atom should be driven apart. But they, it isn't driven apart. So scientists have to admit that there's something, there's some kind of force imposed upon it, acting upon every atom, that holds every atom together, therefore holds the whole universe together every second of every day. Isn't that crazy? We Christians, we say the active force is Jesus. He holds it all together. He's the creator. He's God. He created everything. He holds it all together. If not for Jesus, my friends, our bodies would explode into a million different directions. Is that wild or what? Well, that's what it is. But let's take this to a practical level. Jesus holds all things together. He can make things like the atom that do not cohere to cohere. He can hold things that do not gravitate to each other to cohere together. Isn't that what he did with some of your marriages, if not all of them? Two people get together, you're opposites, and you don't cohere that well. And after a while, you find out you really don't cohere on some things. But because of Jesus, opposites, which typically repel, cohere. Because you submit to the leadership, to the power of the Spirit, to the Word of God, and you can cohere and enjoy the abundant life of marriage. Isn't that true? People that don't see that, they don't survive marriage. Jesus can put anything together. He can cause it to go here. I know so. I've seen this happen before where a person comes to know Christ. <laughs> and there were certain people before they came to Christ, they couldn't stand them and that person couldn't stand them. They didn't get along at all. Then one, this person gets saved, then the other person gets saved. And in Christ, these people that couldn't stand each other before they became Christians, all of a sudden they're best buddies. <laughs> How does that happen? Jesus holds all things together. He can take things that repel and cause them to cohere. Isn't that great? Now let me drill down to a deeper or another idea of Jesus holds all things together. Watch this. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, Peter writes, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Yikes! Now, that verse. The word elements there can mean the building blocks of the universe or the atomic elements. Wild, huh? The word destroyed there means unloosed. They're unloosed. They're not going to be held together anymore. You put it together with Colossians that we read before 117, he holds all things together. 
Jesus holds the whole thing together. And it looks like at a certain moment in time, at the day of the Lord, He's going to loosen His grip on all these things. And the atomic forces that He holds together will just pop and everything's going to burn up. The whole universe, the earth, everything's going to burn up. Christian, you won't be here. You won't be on the planet when that happens. You're in eternity. You're in salvation. But it's burning up for a reason, and it's burning up for you and for me. What? Yeah. Look at, let, me, let me look at Revelation 21.1. Here's why it's all going to burn up. Revelation 21.1. It's a depiction of the new Jerusalem in which we'll dwell in eternity, which will float over the new earth in a new universe. Watch. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. Wow. One day, Jesus is going to let it go. It's all going to burn up. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth just for you and just for me, us followers of Christ, us believers. Now, I've been to some beautiful places in this world. There are many that I've never seen. But I do like to look at pictures of the beautiful places on planet Earth. And as beautiful as it is, it's a fallen world. It's nothing in compared, in comparison to what He's going to create for us. That's awesome. The second thing I want to say today is this. Jesus, the Creator, is the head of the church. Now, now we find out as Creator there's a power flow that flows down for those of us who are followers of Christ. Colossians 1.18 says this, He is also head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn. Remember, it means the highest rank, not you began in time, highest rank of the universe, from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Mm, 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 mm. Jesus is the head. Now watch this. This is important to understand the authority you walk in, who you are in Christ. He's the head of the church. Head means source, origin, leader, ruler. Jesus is the top dog of the church. The beginning, it calls him the beginning, means he is originator of the church. It says he's the firstborn, not in time, but in rank. He's the highest rank. He's up there, buddy. He's the top dog. Head over the church. He's the head. He's the head of the church. Every year I make a dumb statement. Just one? <laughs> Just on a certain time. I make, I make many dumb statements. It's around March 15th. I make a dumb statement. Because March 15th, 1992 was when New Beginnings began. It was our opening day. It's hard to believe it's been 29 years. It's hard to believe I was a young man I never envisioned um, multiple campuses with a great young staff and never, I, I, don't, I couldn't envision these things. But here's my dumb statement every year. I say this, this year is 29 years. I, say, I started this church 29 years ago. While it's true I'm the vessel that was used to kickstart this thing, the reality is Jesus is the one who kickstarted it. He's the one who got it started, kept it going, and grew it. Because he's the head of the church. And he holds all things together. Let me tell you why that's so important to me. 
Jesus is the originator of New Beginnings Community Church. He's the head of New Beginnings Community Church. Then guess what? The church, this church, is his problem. Because <laughs> it was his idea. It wasn't mine. I didn't come up with this. He popped it in my mind. It's his church. It's not mine. And so therefore, it takes a lot of pressure off of me. Because it's a mountain of pressure at times. Because there's so many facets to it. But it takes the pressure off. It's his problem, not mine. Why? My, my son Dylan, we've just planted the app church, right? You know what I tell him every week? Have fun. Have fun. Teach that word. Have fun. The pressure's not on you to grow it. The pressure's on Jesus. You just do all the right things. But enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because early on when I started this church, you know, another dumb statement, Jesus started the church, I felt so much pressure a lot of it wasn't fun because the pressure I felt to try to make it, try to make it happen, try to make it happen. I just didn't get it at that time that I can't make it happen. I just do what it says to do, and He'll make it happen. Isn't it better as a follower of Christ when Jesus carries the pressure and you don't carry the pressure? I, I think so. Now, let's take this idea, this truth, not idea, this truth that Jesus is the head of the church further. Now, I'm going to go into... Ephesians chapter 1, you're going to back up one letter. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Now listen to this, because remember, Jesus is the head. Now, Paul is going to give us more description in this letter here of that. Ephesians 1, 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know <clears throat> what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. What is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. And we are already explained, it's a historical fact that that tomb was empty. The eyewitnesses, historical eyewitnesses, that Jesus rose from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Notice the positioning of rank. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under His, under Jesus' feet, and gave Him as head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and all things are under the feet, which is His body. The church is the body of Jesus. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. Whoa. What's going on with that? Simple. Christian, follower of Christ. Jesus is the head. He's the highest rank. He's above all things. All power, all rule, all authority, all dominion, everything. Then he's got a body. We are the body of Christ. And under the feet of Jesus' body are every demonic force and power and dominion and everything. Did you hear what I said? Under the feet of Jesus, Jesus the head, we church folk are the body, and under that body, under the feet, is every demon, every dominion, every power, every authority. Under our feet. 
Okay. What was the prophecy again? Back in Genesis chapter 3 after Adam and Eve blew it? It was a prophecy about seed. Seed of a woman, seed of a serpent after the fall. Remember that? Let me read it to you. It's an interesting prophecy. It goes along with what I'm saying. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. He, capital letters, he, the seed of the woman, shall bruise you on the head. And you, the seed of the serpent, shall bruise him on the heel. What? What's going on here? First off, this is great. This is the first mention of the Messiah to come to save us from our sins. Adam and Eve just sinned. And now the prophecy comes, we're going to send a Savior. That's how quick God was on it. But let me explain it. He says this seed of the woman, this Savior to come, will bruise the serpent's head. But the serpent, the seed of the woman, seed of the serpent, I should say, will bruise this Messiah, the seed of the woman's heel. In other words, the Messiah would strike a crushing blow to the head of Satan. But Satan would bruise the heel of the Messiah and on a cross, a crucified victim, by rubbing on the cross, their heel would be severely, severely, grotesquely bruised. But think of positioning. Because that's what we're talking about. Jesus' head where the body under the feet. Jesus crushes a serpent's head. Think of positioning. Serpent, devil, every dominion, every power, every authority is under the feet of Jesus. Hmm. Satan has no power over you, Christians, unless we give it to him. And never, ever, ever think that, don't ever say this or think it, the devil and God are opposites. No, they're not. <laughs> opposites. God is the uncreated creator of all things. The devil is a created being. He was Lucifer. He sinned. He was tossed out of heaven. He's a created being. He's a fallen angel. Created things have zero power over their creators. Right? <clears throat> okay. Why is it when Jesus would encounter a demon-possessed person Many times that demon-possessed person would throw themselves down because the demon's throwing them down. And out of that mouth of that person, the demon would speak and say, what are you doing here? And one time they said, what are you doing here? Have you come to torment us before the time? The demons know there's only amount of time and Jesus is going <laughs> to rectify all things. They only have so much time. In fact, Revelation 12 says the devil knows when he has a short time. Follower of Christ. Demons are terrified when Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus lives in you and me. Shouldn't we be a little bit dangerous? Shouldn't the demons be a little bit terrified because Jesus lives in us and they're under our feet as we're connected to the head? Let me tell you what this means. This means that when I say the devil made me do it, no. He has no power over you. This means when I say in fear, the devil's out to get me. 
He's not the good show, all right. Probably not the devil. We're low on the totem pole of demons. But instead of fearing him, he should be fearing you. Jesus is in you. When we say, oh, the devil is just too strong. No. No, he isn't. He's a defeated foe. He's not too strong. Jesus is the head. We are the body. And Satan and every demon are under the feet of the body of Christ. That's why being connected is so important. So important. Remember who you are. Remember the authority you walk in. I'm going to stop here today. Hopefully this helped you and blessed you. So God bless you. You have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.